Hello and thank you for tuning in to the morning edition of the D1T in 5 for Tuesday, February 6th. Let's jump into this morning's top stories. Utah AD Mark Harlan tells the Mercury News's John Wilner and John Canzano.com's eponymous publisher he will not pursue the Arizona AD job. We're in such an incredible place here at Utah and just love the alignment of everything we have going, and so I'm not gonna pursue that position. Dartmouth men's basketball student-athletes are university employees and are therefore eligible to unionize under U.S. labor law, according to the NLRB regional director Laura Sachs, who finds, because Dartmouth has the right to control the work performed by the Dartmouth men's basketball team, and because the players perform that work in exchange for compensation, the petition for basketball players are employees within the meaning of the National Labor Relations Act. Additionally, I find that asserting jurisdiction would not create instability in labor relations. Accordingly, I shall direct an election in the petition for unit. Like the graduate student research assistants and teaching assistants in Columbia University, and like the football players in Northwestern University, the basketball players at issue here perform work which benefits Dartmouth. While there is some factual dispute as to how much revenue is generated by the men's basketball program and whether that program is profitable, the profitability of any given business does not affect the employee status of the individuals who perform work for that business. The basketball program clearly generates alumni engagement and financial donations, as well as publicity which leads to student interest and applications. The employer concedes that the players are representing Dartmouth when they wear Dartmouth-branded clothing and uniforms. While students at Dartmouth take part in many extracurricular activities, major media outlets do not pay for the right to broadcast and distribute video of the vast majority of those activities. In a statement to front office sports's Amanda Kristovich, a Dartmouth spokesperson says the school will appeal the ruling. Unlike other institutions where athletics generates millions of dollars in net revenue, the costs of Dartmouth's athletics program far exceed any revenue from the program, costs that Dartmouth bears as part of our participation in the Ivy League. We also do not compensate our athletes, nor do we provide athletic scholarships, all scholarships are based on financial need. Kristovich also notes the Dartmouth team will have the opportunity to hold a union election even after an appeal is filed and adds, the board usually consists of five people, three Democrats and two Republicans under the Biden administration. However, there's currently a vacancy in one of the Republican seats. At least three board members would have to agree on a decision, which could take several months. The appeal process could continue beyond this board, however, to a circuit court and, ultimately, to the Supreme Court. An NCAA spokesperson tells Kristovich, the NCAA is in the process of reviewing the Region 1 regional director's decision and its potential impact on all schools and student-athletes. Dartmouth men's basketball student-athletes Kate Haskins and Romeo Myrtle called the ruling a significant step forward for college athletes before announcing plans to form the Ivy League Players Association for basketball players across the league. We believe that other athletes will recognize the opportunities this ruling presents and will be inspired to follow suit. This association aims to foster unity, advocate for athletes' rights and well-being, and create a platform for collaborative decision-making. We look forward to working with our fellow Ivy League athletes to bring positive change to the landscape of college sports and the Ivy League. Find more analysis of the landmark decision in this morning's D1 ticker email. The College Football Playoff Management Committee unanimously agreed on an undisclosed distribution to the ACC for SMU, but it's still less than the revenue the CFP typically distributes to Power 5 schools, according to ESPN's Heather Dinich. CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock stating, I think everybody in the room felt like it was a fair accommodation. They've spent a long time talking about it, over three meetings. Dinich explains that in the past, schools that made the leap from the Group of Five conference to the Power Five saw an increase in CFP revenue from roughly $1 million to $6 million. 
In 2022, the CFP voted to give full power 5 revenue to incoming Big 12 schools UCF, Cincinnati, Houston and BYU, SMU and the ACC were under the impression they would get the same. The committee remains in a holding pattern concerning a format for the 12-team playoff, with all but the Pac-12 in favor of a 5-plus-7 model. Hancock adds, it's not done yet because the Pac-12 isn't prepared to vote on it. The measure needs unanimous approval to pass. NCAA President Charlie Baker and Ohio Governor Mike DeWine are calling on lawmakers in the state to ban prop bets involving the performance of collegiate athletes. DeWine says in a release, one year into sports gambling in Ohio, we have seen a marketplace develop where a number of bad actors have engaged in unacceptable behavior by making threats against student-athletes in Ohio and across the country. By amending rules to focus bets on the team and away from individual athletes, I believe we can improve the marketplace in Ohio and better protect student-athletes from unnecessary and potentially harmful threats. Baker adds, sports betting without appropriate controls poses real risks to the well-being of student-athletes and to the integrity of collegiate competition, risks which are heightened by individual prop bets. If the request is approved by the Ohio Casino Control Commission, the following would also be prohibited, any full-team proposition bet on a sporting event governed by the NCAA that, while not based solely on an individual, would on average depend 50% or more on the statistical performance of one or two athletes on the team to determine the outcome. For example, whether Team A will gain over 200 passing yards in a football game would predominantly rely on the quarterback's yardage, likely over 50% dependence. Thank you for tuning in to the morning edition of the D1T in 5 for Tuesday, February 6th. We'll see you back here this afternoon.